Hi, and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. Jason Brubaker is a Los Angeles-based film distribution executive specializing in direct-to-consumer distribution strategies. He consults with media companies, rights holders, and content creators to develop strategies to source content, maximize distribution, grow audiences, build buzz, and create community around each title. Jason serves as the Director of Business Development at Distriver, a film distribution company that delivers content to major platforms while allowing the filmmaker to keep 100% of the revenue. Jason is also a donor to the Roy Dean Grant, right, Carol? Oh, yes, Jason. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate the work you do with your Filmmaking Stuff website. It's brilliant. And thank you for bringing us some information today on distribution. So let me ask you um, first, thank you for joining us, Jason. Thank you, thank you so much for having me, uh, Carol and Claire. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Um, you know, just as a side note, I, I remember, uh, Carol, early on, you and I were on a panel together. I think it was probably in 2009. And shortly thereafter, uh, I'd asked you, you know, um, hey, I really I, I made this feature film. We distributed ourselves. I'm blogging about it. But I really want to get into a role within film distribution in my career and your your response to me was focus on what you want, and it'll come to you. And um, at the time, I almost thought that was a little wishy-washy. But I have to tell you that you know, in the years since, it's now 2016, and not only have I visualized it, but I, I've uh, been able to check quite a few personal goals off the list. So I, I have you to thank for that. Oh my gosh, Jason, that's good news. I do believe that's important to know what you want and focus on it. Well done. Well, first, let me just ask you something about distributor, distributor, where they allow filmmakers to keep 100% of the revenue. Could you can you expand on that? Yeah, um, distributor was founded by a gentleman named Adam Chapnick. Um, I believe back in 2007, they merged with Indiegogo. <laughs> Uh, and they were part of the Indiegogo family of companies for a while, and now distributors uh, part of the Go Digital family of companies. And really, what we've done as uh, you know, our core goal in the marketplace is to really disrupt all the shenanigans that take place in distribution, and provide filmmakers with outlets and ways to reach um, very popular marketplaces without giving up a percentage of ownership. So, in any distribution scenario whether or not it's a traditional deal or something like the sugar, there's uh, expenses up front that have to be paid to cover the cost of ingestion, encoding, quality control, review, delivery, and accounting. And in a traditional distribution deal, most distributors pay that expense up front, and then they make it recoupable to the filmmaker. Um, they, they call it a recoupable expense. So now for the next you know, five to seven years, the filmmaker is in bed with a distributor um, that may or may not be doing a good job, but at the same time, oftentimes the reason they signed away their rights wasn't because there was a huge upfront cash advance, but rather because the distributor said, hey, I'm going to cover the cost of all these uh, expenses. Don't worry about a thing. 
And over at Distributor, we were like, well, I'm sure there's a bunch of filmmakers that if they knew that stuff, they would just want to pay their own deliverable expenses up front, and why not set up a, a system where they do that and then they keep 100% of their revenue? So, for example, if iTunes pays out $10,000, the filmmaker gets $10,000. Distributor doesn't take a cut of that. Wow, but they do set you up with iTunes. They do all that work for you. Yeah, I mean, anytime I talk to filmmakers that are sort of, you know, first-time distributors, um, they come into it with the idea that getting a a film on the iTunes is as easy as uploading a film to YouTube. And even in 2016, where, you know, some of this stuff can be automated, there are certain platforms, and iTunes being one of them, where the standards are so high that you absolutely have to go through a very rigorous uh, review and encoding process. Um, A a case for this is uh, I had a gentleman that I was working with and and still working with him, and he submitted a a documentary, and there was a dead pixel in one of his frames where, you know, we're talking one pixel was out of whack. And that had to be fixed before we could continue the process to make the delivery. So that kind of stuff happens all the time. And companies like Distributor are set up to, to fix some of that and help you avoid headaches. That's wonderful, Jason. Wonderful. So you're the go-to man then, right? Or if someone is interested in Distributor uh, for their project, can they contact you? Yeah, typically what happens is you just head to the website, distributor.com. Uh, there's a green button on the site that says submit your content. You click that button, and then you choose whether or not it's a short film um, a television episodic or a feature film, and, and then you go from there. You, you'll give us information about the film, and uh, you'll be taken to a checkout page where you can choose which platforms make the most sense for you. So um, everybody says, well, how much does it cost? And truth be told, it's sort of like going to a restaurant and choosing from a menu. It depends which uh, services you'd like to order. And, of course, we have a whole bunch of package deals on there as well uh, to help filmmakers. Great. That sounds very good. Now, let's get into marketing and distribution because many of us think you're a genius in marketing. So I'm anxious to know why you switched your position on finding your own audience for your film. And I'd like to know what actions you're recommending now for filmmakers to market their films. Yeah, it's and, and I know, um, Carol, when you and I were on some of those early panels together, I was one of the proponents of, hey, you've got to go out, you've got to build your audience, you've got to build your email list, you've got to do all these wonderful things. And and I still, you know, there's, there's definite merit to that approach to the marketplace, uh, especially for the long term, especially if you view yourself as a filmmaker, uh, not just as a filmmaker making one film, but a filmmaker creating a mini movie studio. So I'm not going to, you know... I'm not going to discount the fact that that's still a really good thing for you to do, especially as you move on to your second or third film and you, and you start building a brand for yourself. Um, but there's a lot of first time filmmakers that are like, Oh man, I just, I just, you know, spent all of my time, energy and money uh, making this film. And now I don't know what the heck I'm doing. And what I found through marketing and, and talking with other marketers, not just in the filmmaking space, but, in other spaces, I realized that, you know, when other people are selling products online, they're not necessarily creating their audiences from scratch. It's, it's heavy lifting. Uh, it's sort of like making a film. If you don't have the money, you better darn well have the time. And a lot of filmmakers, let's face it, don't have the time 
to go out and, and, you know, get on Twitter all day and try to build an audience one person at a time. So the good news that I have um, is if you've done it right, if you've taken time to understand what type of film you have and it fits into a pre-established genre uh, that people are actually interested in, then the big step is to go and figure out where the people interested in that genre already congregate online. And that, when you start looking at it through that lens, then it's like, oh, okay, well, there's this big website that's geared towards horror filmmaker or horror uh, enthusiasts. And as a filmmaker, I can go in there and start a conversation with these horror enthusiasts. Or I could reach out to the publication and say, hey, how much does it cost for you to do an email blast on my behalf? And in marketing, they call that a solo ad. So you, and, and you could actually get, and for some money, get somebody to do an email blast to exactly the people that you want to get in front of. And then from there, within that email blast, there's a link that either takes them directly to where your film's for sale, or going back to my earlier comment, you could send them to your website where you capture their email address, and then as a thank you page, send them where you want to go. But the idea, you know, of going out and building your audience one person at a time um, just doesn't have too much leverage, and it's really, really time-consuming. Okay, this makes a lot of sense. But the the key here seems to be that you you have to figure out um, what your who your market is and where they're congregating, right? That, that's exactly right. And, I mean, if you want to get especially nerdy about it, you know, a, a lot of, and, and I think you and I have talked about this before, but there's this idea of creating your, uh, you know, your preferred customer avatar or several of them. So, for example, it could be that you're targeting um, Midwestern soccer moms who love action movies. You know, and once you start to, to look at that, you might say, you might call that person Jane. So you'll say, okay, well, where do I find Jane online? Where does Jane hang out? And then you might have Fred, and Fred's like, a, you know, a, I don't know, a New York, um, you know, uh, a, a New York young professional who loves gore zombie movies. And you could be like, well, where does Frank hang out online? And you start thinking about that, and, and you think, well, how old is Frank? Frank's 42 years old. I don't know if that still makes him a young professional, but I'd like to believe so. But the, but the point being is you start thinking about um, the, these people that you're trying to approach and you personalize it and suddenly figuring out, you know, where to find that audience and where they congregate online uh, becomes slightly easier. And then that, once you have that information, that same uh, customer avatar works to your advantage on, on places like Facebook. Let's say you go on Facebook and you want to target Jane well, you know how old Jane is, you know where Jane lives, and you kind of know the types of movies that Jane's interested in. So now you can get your film in front of Jane. Now, again, you know, once you start talking about some of these advertising techniques, that might start to get a little bit cost prohibitive for filmmakers. So I would go back and say, okay, well, I don't really have the money to do a big pay-per-click ad campaign, and maybe I, I test it and it doesn't work and my ads aren't paying for themselves. Then, again, you know, the question is ask yourself which publications both online and offline already cater to your audience and see if you can't work out some sort of promotional strategy. And maybe one way to do it is, is you create an affiliate deal with whomever is, is working on your behalf where you say, look, can you please do this email blast and I'll pay you, you know, 50 to 70% of everybody that uh, buys the film through this special link. 
Um, and again, these types of executions, you know, require that you know, like maybe somebody that's a little bit nerdy that can set up a few tracking tools. Um, but at the end of the day, this offers, I think, some hope out there. Um, and you don't have to actually, you know, go out on Twitter each day trying to convince one person at a time to buy your film. This will help you reach masses much quicker. Right. Okay. Well, this when you say set up an affiliate deal, fifty percent is the normal uh, rate that you pay. It, it could vary. It's whatever you want to set up. But the cool thing is, you know, if you're sending people to a digital, uh, a buy now button, and and the product, which is your film, is delivered digitally, you're not really paying for any sort of shipping costs or manufacturing costs. So that gives you a lot of leeway in terms of what you could offer. Uh, potentially as a, as a, a referral commission um, for any sales. Okay, so well, it's good to know where the market is. So uh, you would find uh, organizations that have good mailing lists that re- could reach your audience, right? That's exactly right. And then if you wanted to go kind of old school, um, one thing I haven't tested, but I, I'd love to test um, that I'm thinking about, and, and maybe it's a little premature here because I, I haven't actually tested it. But I realized that less and less people are sending junk mail these days, like physical mail, which from a marketing standpoint makes me think that there may very well be opportunity um, because there's not as much clutter. There might be opportunity to get your message heard. So what would happen if you reached out in, in the case of like a horror film and see what it would cost to rent um, or have them send a postcard on your behalf to, you know, people that are interested in the subject matter. Um, again, that might require a hefty budget, so I don't want to get too far. But if you are a filmmaker and you're just planning this stuff, you know, and, and you're raising money, please allocate some money towards your own marketing and distribution. It's going to be essential in the long run. Well, you want to give us a percentage of the budget that you think should go to marketing? I, I think it should be pretty hefty. I, I mean, I know, I, I believe uh, another gentleman, John Reese, who, who wrote the book, uh, Think Outside the Box Office, I believe he was saying it was somewhere between 50 and 70 percent, but I, uh, forgive my quote, but I would agree that it's above 50 percent. Um, and, yes. and you could just look, and, and you could look to Hollywood, for an example, you know, they'll, they'll make a film for $20 million, but at the same time, they'll do a $20 million, uh print and advertising campaign, if not more. And exactly, you know, I, and as independent filmmakers, I, I don't know why this is, but we always think of ourselves as somehow uh, different. Um, we're doing the same stuff as the studios, just on a much smaller scale. Right. So look to them for what they've been doing that's so successful. Um, they say Hollywood is not a filmmaking town. Dove Simmons says it is a marketing town film marketing town, not a filmmaking town, because they are experts at marketing. So, yeah, steal as much as you can from the masters. Well, let's, let's look at that, too. I mean, this smaller-scale scenario, um, let's talk about casting for a second. You know, yes. you, may not, you may not be able to afford, and, and then looking at the studio analogy, why did they put big stars in a movie? Why did they put Tom Cruise in a film and pay him X number, I, I don't know, 20, 40 million, whatever it is, well, it's because they think that by putting Tom Cruise in that film, at the end of the day, they're going to make a heck of a lot more than whatever they're paying up front. So if you look at casting through the lens of marketing, what you're really doing is effectively paying for a marketing campaign before you even make your film. 
you're paying for Tom Cruise's audience appeal, and you're hoping that by having him, get, it, it'll get a lot of people buying your film. So you may not have the budget for Tom Cruise, and, and I certainly don't, but what could you do on a much smaller scale? You know, there's a lot of backyard indie filmmakers that are saying, um, hey, I'm going to make my film no matter what. Okay, well, that's fine, but what are you going to do in your hometown to effectively get some notice from this? And I think one strategy you could use is go out and, you know, get the local DJ who's very popular to play some sort of bit part in the film. Go get the local newscaster to play some sort of bit part in the film. Go get the, you know, if it's a faith-based film, go get um, some of the home, you know, the, uh, different ministers to get into your film. You, you know, and you start thinking about this because why? Well, in a sense, all of these people have a congregation. And I know that's a pretty blatant analogy to say get a minister and they have a congregation. But earlier I was talking about where people congregate online. Same thing with cats. You know, who's the congregation for the, the semi-celebrity in your film? What's their reach and what's their appeal? And will they, you know, promote and help you spread word of mouth once the film's finished? And you start thinking about this, and you can really build a project from the ground up as opposed to just making whatever the heck you can make and hoping for the best, which, by the way, even in 2016, that's still what most filmmakers do. Right. Well, I, I know of a casting agent who um, has explained to me that many times when people are using his uh, facility and he's casting for them, they put a guy at the back door as people walk out with a clipboard. And as they leave, he asks, how many people do you have on your Facebook page? How many uh, tweets do you have? And they use that in decision making for who they hire. Well, you know, it's interesting. I've worked now for a few distribution companies, and, and I know anybody listening to this that looks at my history, they'll say, well, Jason, you worked for a distributor back in 2012, and now it's 2016. Um, there's a, long story short, I've always stayed friendly with distributor, and, and they hired me back a, a little while ago. But in between working for distributor the first time and working for distributor now, I've worked for other distribution entities. And interestingly enough, whenever you go to acquire a film on the traditional side, um, and I'll use an example. I, I repped a film called Man Up, um, which uh, starred a famed YouTuber that had like 1.5 million subscribers on this YouTube channel. And in the distribution conversation, they, you know, it, it wasn't um, a major surprise, but it was interesting to see how they broke out a calculator and just assumed, okay, well, if only 5% of the people buy this film, you know, what does that look like? If 10% buy it, you know, if we get even luckier and more and more people buy it, what does that look like? And because you're able to break out the calculator and be very conservative, you could quickly see the upside or the potential for upside. And that's, and that's a lot better than the hope and pray strategy that most filmmakers utilize. So ironically, and, and this is really interesting to me, the films that get the really good traditional distribution deals are, in effect, films that don't actually need a traditional distribution deal uh, to be successful. Because, you know, for everything I just mentioned, had those filmmakers that I rep gone out on their own, they probably could have moved the needle pretty well on iTunes just by themselves without a distributor. So it's a really interesting landscape out there. And, you know, I've, I've been learning a lot just kind of seeing how things work from the inside. 
Well, can I ask you, um, do, is it possible to use, um, like, tug and, and then use um, distributor at the same time? And, or afterwards, is it like windows of release? Well, it, well this, I mean, that's a really good question. And, and my short answer is it depends. Uh, ultimately, <laughs> it really depends on the filmmaker's strategy and what their goals are. I mean, I'm, I'm very biased. I, I believe in what we're doing at Distriber, and I think that Distriber is a great complement to theatrical release. Um, so in the sense of Tug, one scenario would be you have this film and you release it in a few major cities, but simultaneous with that, you have it available on, on major online platforms, you know, like iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, Voodoo, et cetera. And then you have the Q&A after your screening, and people are like, oh, I really want to show this to my sister. Where is it available? And you say, oh, well, go on your iPhone right now and, and you can buy it on iTunes. You know, and, and that can be a very effective strategy for making direct sales right at the event because that's when people are fired up, they enjoy the experience, and they want to have more of it. Um, and you could even promote your film at the event. And I think a lot of times people just buy it because they like you. You know, it's like any other sale. They like you, they trust you, and they want to see you be successful. Um, so that's one strategy. But on the flip side, another strategy might say, well, I want to do the traditional window release. I want to have this available in X number of major cities. Uh, and maybe you want to focus on, you know, getting a really spectacular cable video on demand deal, um, which requires that you jump through a few hoops. And in that scenario, um, maybe you do window it out where you say, okay, I'm only doing my theatrical right now. Uh, three months from now when the theatrical ends, then I'll go into some of these more, um, you know, digital platforms. So, you know, when I say it depends, or it, it really does depend on your goals. Um, but, you know, the good news is there's so many options these days that it, either one of those, if you really get behind it and come up with a plan that makes sense for you, um, I, you're going to be okay. Okay. All right. That sounds great. Well, you have also talked about the importance of getting friends and family to buy your film in the first weekend. Yeah, the interesting thing, and, and when I share, you know, when I share this tip, I think people, I don't know if anybody rolls their eyes, but from my perspective, I would kind of roll my eyes if somebody told me this because it sounds, it sounds so simple. And I, and I typically tell people, okay, your film's going live on iTunes tomorrow please call every friend and family that you have on your iPhone. And most people have, you know, 30, 60, 90, 150 different numbers right on their phone. And I say that and they're like, well, that sounds too simple or that sounds too easy. And I'm, I'm going to say that it is simple. It's just not easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it. But I think there's this innate, like, fear that you're somehow going to be bugging people if you call them up on the phone. But the truth is, Again, if you go back to that basic sales principle that people like to buy from people whom they, they like and trust, then you're really just calling a friend saying, hey, can you please do me a favor? And, you know, I think for the most part, people are going to respond to that. And the fact that you actually went out and you finished your film, I mean, that's, that's a noble uh, accomplishment. But if you're able to do that and you get a whole bunch of people buying your film within the first day or two, well, guess what? You can increase the potential of your film rising in the rankings. Uh, so we, you know, over at Distributor, we've seen a few films now that have made it to the top 
I, I would say the top 20, one of them even made it to number one uh, on iTunes for, for a brief period of time back in January. Now, I, I want to be clear, the one that made number one was called The Resurrection of Jake the Snake, and uh, it starred Jake the Snake. So he already had a pretty built-in audience. But the point is still there. If you're able to move the needle very quickly within the first weekend and you get a couple hundred sales, then as you rise in the ranking, potentially more and more people will discover your film. And as that becomes, as your film becomes more visible, you know, again, potentially you make more and more sales. And so a really good opportunity exists for you to go into these popular marketplaces and, and do your best to move the needle there just so you can tap into the audience that's already on those marketplaces looking to buy. You know, why, is, you know, why do people enjoy Amazon and iTunes? It, it, it's easy. Everybody trusts it. Um, and, it. And it's a good place for you to be as well. Do they take more of a margin? Yes. I mean, if you sell your phone from your own website and you use one of those online platforms, they might only take a few percent, maybe 10%. And you go over to iTunes, and it's like they'll take 30 uh, cents on every dollar, and Amazon takes 50 cents on every dollar. Okay, wow. I get that. I get that. But the potential for reaching more people is there. And if you can tap into that, if you can tap into that big-time you know, traffic, then maybe you'll make a heck of a lot more sales than you would have made on your own. And, and that's, that's the real benefit to it. But, again, it, it comes back to your strategy. Every filmmaker is different. But hopefully, you know, some of these tactics that, again, are simple but not easy, hopefully if you, if you tap into them, it, it can really help you. So you're saying, Jason, that rather than do VX checks and upload your own film on your own website, if you give – and they charge you 10%. Uh, rather than pay that 10%, if you get it on Amazon or iTunes where they have an existing uh, audience for you that, and you call all of your friends on the first weekend and and make a big push to get everybody you know to go on – and download or buy your film, then you can move it up to a place where you can actually make more money, even giving 50% away. Yeah, that, that's the theory. And I, I need to be careful here. And as you know, there's no guarantees in this business or any business whatsoever. But what I'm sharing with you right now is far better than what most filmmakers do, which is they say, oh, well, it's available on iTunes. Where's my money? And, and the truth is... The, <laughs> that's right. The, the set it and forget it attitude never works, um, never works. So, uh, uh, well, I, I'm always cautious to say never. I'm sure there's a few outliers and, and flukes there, but, but my point being is you got to hustle. you got to view your filmmaking like any other business. You have a product. Now it's time to sell that product, and, and what are you doing to sell the product? The idea that people are going to find you um, – and, and just magically appear is, is sort of not the right way to think about this stuff. Exactly. That's, that's takes you back to crowdfunding and all the myths on crowdfunding that you just put it up and they'll come. And that certainly doesn't work. So this is really good information. Now your website is filmmakingstuff.com. And, um, I really love your website. There's so much free information on there. Um, so tell, tell us some of the things that you give to people on your website, please. Well, one, one of the things, um, when, you, when you go to my website, you'll see a few notifications that ask you whether or not you want to sign up for 
my filmmaker checklist. But after producing some of my films, I wrote down one day and I just decided that I was going to write out the steps it takes to make a film. Um, and so it's the 65 step filmmaker checklist that takes you, you know, soup to nuts through the entire filmmaking process. Now, granted, it's an overview, um, and, and there is a lot of variety in terms of how people make films, but through the years of giving away that checklist for free, you know, most of the responses that I've gotten back have been really good. Um, you know, some people respond back to me and they say, Hey, you shouldn't make a film unless you have a lot of money. And, and I say, well, look at step number, you know, one, two, three, and four, which talked about having a great script, breaking down that script and creating a budget. And then out of that, figuring out whether or not, you know, that budget makes sense for you. Um, so bottom line, it, it's not perfect, but at the end of the day, you know, it, it's, I think, a really nice starting point. And then there are filmmakers listening to this podcast that are a little bit more advanced that already made a few feature films. Uh, to that, and I would say visit my other website, which is howtosellyourmovie.com, um, where I put together a very comprehensive training program that goes into some detail about all the things we're talking about today. Howtosellyourmovie.com. All right. It's more detailed. Now, I noticed that you have a page on the filmmaking stuff that's about Tom Malloy raising over $25 million for his films. Um, as, now, Tom, I love working with Tom. He's, his information is so valuable. Tell us about this. Well, I, I, actually, uh, Carol, to your credit, I think once again, I think you made the introduction to Tom, but uh, I think that was back in 2010 or so. And since that time, him and I have really hit it off, and we've collaborated on a few educational training products together. And what I like about Tom, I mean, there's a lot that I like about Tom, but one of the cool things about him is he's, you know, he's not one of these guys that bases um, his training on theory. Like, this is actual stuff that he's done. And I love working with people that have actually done it uh, because Tom gets right to the core of what's worked for him. Um, recently him and I put together this little uh, business plan template and it's a pretty light template, but Tom through the years of, of creating different business plans, he calls it a confidential information overview. And what it does is it provides filmmakers with the ability to create an overview of their entire uh, film, but from a business perspective, you know, which is what's it about uh, and why should people care? And, and here's how I think I'm going to take this to the marketplace. Um, and that's an essential piece for all filmmakers. But Tom has written uh, quite a few articles for filmmaking stuff where he shares some of his tactics. One of the articles is how to find out if your rich guy is real. Um, because as you know, uh, Carol, and I know you have a vast amount of experience. Uh, this town is full of people. <laughs> but let's just say that, um, you know, their reality that they live isn't quite the reality that, that's, uh, you know, perceived by other people. Um, and that's putting it kindly. Um, and yes, there's a that's lot of kind. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I have to digress for a second, but I just got an email from somebody, and the email was a, a gentleman who wanted me uh, to take his film, and then um, it was a screenplay, and he wanted me to go out and show it to everybody that I know in this town and produce it for him. Um, and it was one of these very blunt emails that I get that, you know, sometimes, and I'm sure you get this too, where people feel so entitled and they're like, Jason, I don't care what you're doing with your life. I don't care what projects you're working on. I don't care what's going on with your family. I'm the most important guy. You don't know me, but do all of this work for me. And by the way, you'll be awesome. And I responded. I was like, hey, uh, that's, I was like, that's not quite how I work. I was like, do you have any sort of budget? 
And then his response was so angry to me. He's like, of course I have a budget. And by the way, my contacts are more vast than your contacts. I'm way better than you. And I was like, and I, and I was like, I was like, okay, well, I'm going, I, I wish you all the best about your filmmaking, your life. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and unsubscribe you. Thanks so much. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. Um, you know, when you run the spectrum, though, and, and those people are out there, I, I think if you're a new filmmaker, sometimes you fall into that where, where you think, oh, oh yes. you know, th- th- these people clearly know what they're talking about, and they don't. And, and it can be kind of a slippery slope of, you know, a lot of people out there telling you what, what they think you should do, but they've never done anything. They've never worked. They've never, you know, had, had um, real-world experience, and... I don't know. That was my long-winded response to say that Tom Malloy and most everybody I work with has actually been in the trenches, which I think is great. Oh, it's it's paramount because they know they've been there, and but and there are a lot of people in our industry, particularly in financing, who don't have any money, but they appear to, uh, and and they just take up your time. So Tom's ability to determine if they're real or not quickly is most important. And I guess that's in the information you have, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's quite a few um, articles, like I said, that Tom authored. We also put together this thing called the film finance guide, which is found at filmfinanceguide.com where Tom, uh, you know, at some points I chime in, but honestly, Tom's the guy that provides all the info. It's largely audio based, but it's him going through the process of, of raising money for films. And, you know, most of the feedback we get has been very positive. I keep reaching out to Tom because I want him to, you know, create a big PowerPoint presentation. And his response to me is like, dude, I'm actually out, you know, raising money for films. I don't have time for that. (laughs) That's sort of the downside. That's sort of the downside (laughs) for working working with people that are actually working, you know. But... Um, you know going going back to this it's it's been a very interesting journey i and and, uh you know going back to the benchmark uh carol where i first met you again back in 2009 i believe that was one of norman burns uh panels and um it's been interesting to just see how the world has changed because the idea of what i'm describing which is self-distribution that was still seen as sort of a derogatory um strategy, right? People said, oh, you had to self-distribute, therefore you're not a real filmmaker. Um, but oddly enough, you know, for me, uh, when I was on that panel with you, we were getting really good sales on Amazon because people were going to our website, they were clicking the buy now button, we redirected that to Amazon, and enough people were converting that I was like, wait, I think, I think something's going on here. I think something's starting to change. And now fast forward, you know, it's 2016, uh, Samsung came out with a whole line of smart televisions where, uh, you know, there's app, apps built right into it. Where my wife and I are watching Hulu, Netflix, and Amazon right on our television. And obviously, on the other side, there's all these people that have bought L- Apple televisions that are able to access iTunes. Um, it's just been a very interesting shift. And now, you know, there's going to be a world, I believe, where where this idea of linear cable television and, and um, programming the, the way we see it, it it's going to dissolve and everything's going to be on demand and it, it's really even more important that filmmakers as they plan you know not just their production strategy but as they plan their overall you know film business strategy 
that, that they say, okay, well, I don't know if I'm going to get a major distribution deal. I don't know if I'm going to get into Sundance, you know, which is going to put tons of spotlight on my film. But what I do know is if I make it for this amount of budget, these are the amount of sales that I have to make in order to break even. And then once you know, like, how many unit sales you have to hit before you break even, then, you, then your plan becomes a little bit easier because you're saying, okay, well, how am I going to get that many sales? And for some filmmakers, it might only be a few hundred sales until they break even. And other filmmakers, it might be a few thousand sales. But my point in saying this is most filmmakers still go into it not even knowing or not even taking time to think about that um, because they're still basing their business on a hope strategy. But compare that to the filmmakers that actually get it, and, and it's not based on hope. Right. It's based on numbers, and that's why they call the Hollywood chip filmmaking uh, the bean counters are running Hollywood. That's what everybody's always said, and the bean counters are right, and that's exactly what you're talking about. Go back and count up how much money you're going to make, which is what we always call count the beans, and you know where you stand. That's really brilliant. Thank you so much. Um, and I uh, interviewed Norman just a few weeks back, and he and I both think you are a genius in marketing, and we were commenting on your qualifications and everything. So um, let me just ask you, do you work with people uh, and, and do personal consultations? Yeah, I, I most certainly do personal consultations, um, and, and I don't want to be goofy about it. Um, in the years since, since I started doing this, um, Happily, the the demand for my time has gone up a bit. So my coaching, uh, it's available if you go to filmmakingstuff.com forward slash coaching. Um, that's how you could sign up. I, I you know, I, I set up uh, packages where we get on the phone for 30 minutes to describe your project. And then from there, we determine together whether or not it makes sense for us to continue. Because just as much as you're trying to vet whether or not I'm the right fit, um, I have a no crazy filmmaker policy, so I'm also vetting to, to make sure that, that you're the right fit. <laughs> great, great. So do you actually you get that 20-minute spree for the discussion? No, actually I don't. I, I don't have the liberty to do that. Um, what I do is I once somebody signs up, it, it's a 30-minute block of time, and once somebody signs up for it, then I send them out a questionnaire looking for their five to seven most pressing filmmaking or film distribution-related questions. And sometimes right. I send that out and they say, oh, well, I want to have more time or I want to take you to lunch. And then, you know, I, at the end of the day, I'm a pretty nice guy. We figure out a deal that, you know, is mutually beneficial, and then we get together and we discuss the project. And then again, you know, like I said, if it makes sense for us to go into something a little bit bigger uh, and more robust, then we'll know by the end of that, uh, of that time together. Um, but you know, it, it's all—it's always dependent upon the project. Like sometimes I'll talk with filmmakers, and they'll email me, and they'll say, "Hey, I want to get coaching with you. I have this thing," and they'll point out their project to me, and I'll take a look at it, and I'll just know in my heart that there's really nothing I can do to help. And and I'm, you know, in the past I have reached out to filmmakers in a very polite way and let them know that I don't think we're the right fit for each other. And that happens. I'd far rather do that than to take, you know, somebody's valuable time or money uh, to give them, you know, to, to not help them. Um, and, and selfishly, I love, I love it when I can help people and they get results. 
and then they come back and they give me a really nice testimonial that I can then share. Um, so that's always a better place to be. And, and I know that, that you operate great. very similarly. Yeah. Yes, I love that. That's the most important part. I love it. So uh, thank you for that because actually <clears throat> this is the way it's, it's like I always think of the Indians at the teepee, in the teepee at night. They always told stories and carried stuff down from their experiences, their life experiences, how important that is. And that's really what you do. And I do, too. We tell people what we know works and what doesn't work. And it's just from our hearts and it's honest. And that's the way it really has to be. And, and we have to clean up some of the things that are going on around us where people are paying for things that they don't get, right? Yeah, it, it's been it's been interesting, too. I mean, what I see uh, right now, some different trends in the marketplace, I, I see these different gimmicks come along. And I have meetings with people where they're like, hey, I just invented this really great software where you can put your film up on a platform and it'll collect it'll collect credit card information and you can set up your own website to sell your film. And people are talking to me as if that's a new concept, but I, I'm like, oh my gosh, I've had so many conversations with this. You're, you know, when I hear stuff like that, they're not actually solving a, a new problem. They're not, you know, and, and that kind of stuff sounds neat, but at the end of the day, the, the one thing that matters kind of taking this conversation full circle is who is your target audience and how are you going to get them to your buy now button? You know, that's the bigger question. And so far, nobody's been able to, in any sort of software type manner, solve that issue, um, and unless you consider, like, advertising platforms. But, you know, there's not, like, some magical place where your audience is just, you know, waiting for you to make a movie, and they're just going to magically appear and throw you a whole bunch of money. If that were the case, right. it, wouldn't, it, it wouldn't just be in the film industry. I mean, here's the irony. It would be in every industry. Because even though everything we're talking about is very focused on creating film products, there's, you know, if you watch the show Shark Tank, it's sort of a parallel because every day somebody's coming up with a zany new idea that they think is going to be a blockbuster <laughs> hit, and it very rarely is. So, you know, I, this, this is, this is um, probably why I don't sell as much consulting as, as I need to. Um, it's because I'm too frank about this stuff. And, and you know, I, in telling it like it is, the only magic comes after a whole bunch of hard work and a little bit of luck. Um, and, I, and I'd love to pretend otherwise. Yeah. Hard work and a little bit of luck, right. But you've, you've got your eye on the ball here when you say the whole thing is where, reaching your audience and driving them to the buy now button. That's it, isn't it? Yeah, I think, I think that that's, you know, it's, again, it's one of these things that, that sounds simple, but it's not easy. And I, I think, like, like, like everything in life, as human beings, we have this innate desire to just find a simple solution to complex problems. And, and, you know, unfortunately for all of us, it's always the people that decide to say, this is your answer, please buy this, and you'll be okay. <laughs> um, and the, in the world of marketing, they call that bright, shiny object syndrome, where you just sort of buy everything because you think it's going to solve your major problem. But... Uh, it, it's, it, it, it continues to be a very interesting shift in, in the paradigm uh, as far as independent film goes, as far as distribution goes. And I'm, I've continually enjoyed the ride, 
but I think through the years I've become less inclined to get excited about, you know, new software or new um, outlets to sell your film because, again, it doesn't solve that core problem. Very recently there were some articles um, being passed around that said, hey, you can now create an app just for your movie, and then that app's going to magically appear on these smart televisions. And in my mind, I'm like, well, that's great, but how does that solve the problem? How are you going to get people to your app? It's, it's no, in my mind, and, and I could be completely wrong, but in my mind, it's no different than trying to send people anywhere. And in fact, it may make it more difficult because at least on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, uh, uh, Vudu, Hulu, and some of these other platforms, people are already there. The idea of like trying yes. to find new people to come to just some app that's out in, in the, uh, you know, the, the ether or out in the, the TV equivalent of the desert, man, that, that just, I, I mean, my immediate thought was, oh my gosh, I'm going to get a lot of people emailing me about these, these new opportunities. And I'm, and I'm just going to like be very unfavorable because I'm not hopping on the bandwagon to say that that's the answer uh, until somebody can prove me otherwise. Well done. That's very important. Well, uh, let's um, repeat all of your websites. Now, I know filmmakingstuff.com, so everybody knows how to find you. Yeah, filmmakingstuff.com is great. Uh, that That's the primary blog website with, like, hundreds of articles that I, I think will give you a very entrepreneurial approach to the filmmaking process. Uh, for those of you that are a little bit more advanced, you may want to check out uh, howtosellyourmovie.com. And also uh, the one that I put together with uh, Tom Malloy, filmfinanceguide.com. So any of those resources I think are going to help you, uh, especially if you'd like today's discussion. And people that want to reach you can find you on any of those websites, and right? Yeah, absolutely. And and I I get a lot of emails. My email is like a Twitter feed, so it takes me like two or three days to respond to everybody. But you're welcome to email me, Jason, at filmmakingstuff. Jason at filmmakingstuff. And if for those of you that are looking for film distribution, if you end up at Distriber, odds are good I'll be reaching out to you anyway. Wonderful, Jason. Thank you so much for the time to share all of this information with us. We sincerely appreciate it. It's always my pleasure. And thank you for everything that you do for the independent filmmaking community. I, I know there's been a few times in our conversation today that I that I gave you a uh, very gushing praise, but but it definitely uh, I was not gonna I was just gonna say it definitely comes from the heart, but I, <laughs> I just realized what I did there. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but you, you know, just uh, to recap for filmmakers uh, that are in sort of the Midwest or, or wherever you're from, I, I'm from Pennsylvania originally, and um, you know I first became acquainted with you, Carol, uh, back in like 2002 when you had like this major email hiccup. Uh, and your database somehow went funky and everybody got emails from you that, that they weren't supposed to get. And you said, Hey, I'm so sorry that happened. Let me send you a free copy of my book. Uh, and you actually sent me a copy of your book. Um, and that was in 2002 and I, you know, art of film funding. And, and I was, I was just blown away by your generosity. So it's been one of the great uh, joys, at least in my filmmaking career to, to build a friendship with you. Thank you, Jason. I had forgotten about that. I had to. I sent out about a hundred books. It was, <laughs> but I did it really for, because I was so ashamed that, that that happened. But and and if and if it brought us together, then it was worth a hundred books. I'll say that for sure. It's wonderful well, to work with you, Jason. 
Same to you. Well, again, thanks so much for having me. Okay. And, Claire, thank you for hosting the show. Very welcome, Carol. And, uh, Jason, always a pleasure having you on the show. And I, I know you'll be back with us again because you always have more information to share as it goes down the line. So take good care, everyone. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. Bye. Thank you all. Bye-bye. Okay. okay. Bye. Now, in its second edition, Carol Dean's popular book, The Art of Film Funding, has 12 new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls. Learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer. How to make an ask for money. Create your story structure and your trailer. Legal advice, fair use, successful crowdfunding, how to ask for music rights, and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. That's David, R-A-I-K-L-E-N.com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to The Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at FromTheHeartProductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone. A Napa guy knows the only way you'd give a freshly minted driver a brand new car is if he promises to never drive it. Instead, let him grind the gears and knock over the neighbor's mailbox in something a little more suited to his skill level. And with over 400,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, he can safely drive something that's nearly as old as he is. It's not perfect, but it's perfect for him. That's Napa know-how. The wait is over! The Beauty Brand's $13.99 annual leader sale is here. Save up to 72% on over 225 salon professional shampoo and conditioner leaders. Major Moisture Super Shine. Smooth and silky every time. Joy Code to Moisturize. Sexy hair to volumize. Brands that you love to use. Redkin Matrix can too. The leader sale won't last long. So shop your favorites and save up to 72% before time runs out. Get to your nearest store or shop beautybrands.com.